We are on air for Fanfaracing Radio, and tonight we will have our Charlotte NASCAR Weekend Preview with Hot Topics Sound Up at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, in the first half hour tonight, we will cover both short track racing news as well as the Arkham Art Series is racing this weekend at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Uh, we'll include a few updates from the Arca East and West as well. At 9 o'clock, we have our uh, pre-race audio uh, from Max Booty Eris. Uh, he is uh, the driver of the number 37 AM Racing Chevrolet this weekend in the Camping World Truck Series. So uh, we'll hear what he has to say uh, heading into the weekend of racing at Charlotte this weekend. Uh, then at 9.15, we'll do our Truck Series uh, preview at Charlotte Motor Speedway. At 9.30, we'll finish up with the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series uh, preview of the races at Charlotte Motor Speedway. 10 o'clock is NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Up with our fan racing crew. And joining me for tonight's show is our co-host, Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. I appreciate you giving me a couple minutes here. I'm still getting my notes and everything set up, uh, running a little late tonight. Uh, got a big weekend of racing, though, right there at the hub of NASCAR, the Charlotte area, uh, as well as some other stuff across the country when we talk about the short track racing. And then I know we got some hot topics yet again here tonight. Yes, indeed. Okay, now, uh, again, I'm going to make apologies up front for any uh, dog noises that you hear in the background. Uh, I'm still here in Texas. We have three dogs in the house. And uh, every little noise can set off uh, all three of them. So uh, if you hear me mute and, and uh, uh, I'm not here for a few minutes, Jay, if you can pick up the slack there for me, I'd appreciate it. All right. Well, we'll, th- we'll throw a fourth one in as long as we're going to put blame. I'll put blame on Bogey, too. He, he's normally pretty good, but uh, <laughs> we'll see how he behaves tonight. Okay, uh, so we'll we'll try to make uh, we'll we'll make do the best we can at any rate. Uh, but just want to give everybody a heads up that that's uh, kind of what we're dealing with in the background here. But let's go ahead and get to the uh, short track racing news. I know that there's some racing out at uh, Lucas Oil Raceway, or I guess it's the Indianapolis Lucas Oil Raceway. I forget what the new name is now. Um, they are doing uh, some USAC racing uh, this weekend, and uh, it ties into the Indianapolis 500 that's taking place at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So uh, that's kind of cool to see happening. It is, and I, and I know uh, you joke about it. That's one that the name change has been, yeah, uh, IRP, ORP, L-O-R-R-P. Um, <laughs> but no matter what you call it, it is an awesome facility. Uh, I know that's one of those you talk about having regrets. When Dalton, my son, and I went to the Indianapolis uh, or the Brickyard 400, uh, Saturday we should have gone over at that time Xfinity Series raced over across town, Um so we, we probably should have gone over to it, uh, but didn't. Um, but, yeah, if you get the chance, you definitely want to go to that track. And I think it is back to Lucas Oil uh, Raceway Park. Well, the way they've got it listed here 
uh, is 2 o'clock tomorrow, May the 27th. This is 2022 USAC Carb Night Classic at Indianapolis Raceway Park. Uh, I guess I've gone back to IRP. Well, okay, so yeah, <laughs> there we go. Back to IRP. <laughs> so, so uh, again, I did get a chance to see a race out there um, several years back. Now, I saw an Xfinity Series race at IRP, and uh, I, I fell in love with that track uh, right away, and uh, would love to see some back racing at that track again, for that matter. Uh, but, yeah, the USAC uh, Carbonite Classic will be there 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon uh, at the Indianapolis Raceway Park. So uh, I think that's a big one as it ties into the Indianapolis 500. You're right. And it's one of those down in Indianapolis is known for that of a racing town, not just for the Indy 500, but uh, when NASCAR brought the Brickyard in, and situations like this where they have combo events, we've seen other races in, in that area. I know they have a, a IndyCar race there, I believe, in the streets of downtown Indianapolis. So, again, always a great racing community, uh, great city as in a whole. Um, you get to spend some time there. I will tell you this. If you want to play the golf course that goes inside of Indianapolis uh, Motor Speedway, uh, you better be somebody a name because, yeah, you can't get in like two weeks prior or two weeks after around any kind of race like that. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> yeah, that, that uh, uh, is, I'm sure, uh, right on the mark. Now, uh, just so you know, for those folks that can't get out to IRP this weekend in Indianapolis Raceway Park, it will be uh, available to watch via live streaming at Flow Sport Racing. So uh, if uh, you haven't already subscribed, I would highly recommend it. Uh, it's going to be a fantastic race there. Uh, there's a lot of racing that's going to take place uh, this weekend. Uh, you, you know, it's, it's one of the biggest race weekends of the year. And uh, don't think that just because you've got the big races like the Indianapolis 500, um, all three series and NASCAR are racing this weekend uh, out at Charlotte Motor Speedway for one of their biggest races of the year. Um, there's a lot of short track racing going on right in your neighborhood, uh, somewhere around the country. And uh, we highly encourage people to take part in those races uh, that are taking place this weekend as well. Well, you're right about that, Sharon. I know right here uh, in Columbus they got one going on over at the MAG. So I promise you, uh, you, you said it, this is a huge race weekend. I understand it's Memorial Day. A lot of teams doing vacations, and a lot of them do them in conjunction with races and keep in mind of what mo Monday Memorial Day is about. Um, but there is a lot of racing going on. If that's how you choose to spend your time, uh, please go out and visit your local track. Yes, and there are way too many for us to mention all of them here on Fan for Racing Radio tonight. Uh, but you can go to flowracing.com, and they have a, a tab there. It's their schedule for the weekend, and you can see every single race uh, that's taking place. And there is a link for you to watch that race uh, when it becomes available. So... Uh, a lot of weekly racing that's taking place this week. We mentioned, uh, uh, you know, that's the NASCAR 
uh, weekly touring series, the Advanced Auto Parts series, at a number of tracks uh, throughout the country. Uh, we mentioned the USAC racing that's taking place, a lot of dirt racing taking place this weekend, NASCAR wheel and modified racing uh, taking place this weekend. There's just so much uh, that's taking place. Like I say, it's, it's really hard to, to mention all of them. Um, but uh, also another place where you can find good racing is at Racing America. And uh, they've done some really great articles here. Ten, ten things you should know about Saturday's Show Me the Money Race, uh, the Wear and Modified Super Late Model uh, actually postponed their Chad Hinkle Memorial 138 uh, because of uh, poor weather that's expected over the weekend. So hopefully we won't see too much of that this weekend. They've got some throwback articles uh, up. Uh, and uh, those are always fun to watch um, and, and to read, I should say. And, oh, by the way, Jay, if you are not a subscriber to Racing America, the TV subscription rates are going to be increasing. Current subscribers are not affected by that increase, but any new subscribers will have to pay the higher fee. But let me tell you, even with the higher fee, you're going to get a whole lot of racing. And they explain why they're raising, raising the prices in that article over at RacingAmerica.com. Well, you know, I, it's one of those, you, you hate to see it. I understand uh, the business side of it and the economy. Um, but, yeah, when you break it down of, of what you pay per month, the amount of tracks you get to go to without having to travel – um, or whatever. Uh, where's where's uh, Owen? He could do our analytics and break it down numbers wise. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, what you're paying per race ends up to be like a dollar or two. And, and like I said, if you, if you're not into traveling or can't afford to, or some of these obviously are on the other side of the country, you still get to see. So it is definitely if you're ra- into racing, uh, a value uh, to look at. And yeah, you want to get. Uh, I don't know when that starts. Uh, I hadn't seen that one yet. But when it starts, you want to get the uh, logged in and signed up um, to prevent that from happening. Fortunately, uh, already signed up, so don't have to worry about the, that. The increase starts June 1st, so it's just a few days, and that increase will start. Okay. Um, some of you will remember we've had uh, Allie Kern on our show. And uh, that's when she was racing in the Arkham Menard series. She is now Allie Kern Dukeshire, and she's making a return uh, in the ARCA CRA Super Series at Jennerstown. Uh, so uh, she's one of two females that will be racing that series. Uh, but I saw that, and uh, it's really kind of cool uh, to see that uh, she is uh, back behind the wheel. So uh, I guess I was trying to see if I could find out who the other female is going to be that's racing, but she's one of two that will be in that race. So uh, you'll want to check that out as well. You're right. Always exciting to see that, uh, especially ones that, uh, for whatever the reason of the layoff, I know some of it's sponsorship, some of it's other things, um, but to see a driver like that come back and continue with their dream is great to see. Okay. Uh, now, just like we mentioned at um, at uh, Flow Racing, the same thing is at 
Racing America, if you click on watch or live events, you will be able to see uh, the tracks that are coming up and the racing that is coming up that you can watch over at Racing America. Uh, They've got a Carolina Speedway here, Claremont Motorsports Park. Uh, There's also Five Flags Speedway. You've heard us talk a lot about that track. Um, And uh, Lakeview. Uh, There's just so, again, so many different racing events that are taking place uh, this weekend, including Slinger Speedway. The Elite Eight Super Late Models will be racing there on Sunday. So, uh, again, don't miss any of the racing action. Uh, You can always check out the news as well as uh, live streaming events at Racing America as well. Well, Sharon, I wanted to give one more uh, shout-out on on the flow racing side. We talked about it. It's still, uh, I guess, a little less than a month away, but I saw it. Uh, posted publicly today they are going to be here in columbus mississippi june 11th for the southern all-star super late model dirt series at the bullring just down from my house so again flow racing is out there and covering all of these tracks and that's what i say Uh, a lot of these tracks uh may not be tracks that you can get to personally but uh you can still see the racing uh, that's going on. So that's really cool to hear uh, that these guys will be right in your neighborhood, Jay. Um, what was the name of the track again? Uh, it's, it's Columbus. This that one, the one on the east side of town is Columbus Speedway, the baddest bullring in the south. Okay, uh, I should know that by now, right? <laughs> and I yeah, see... I've mentioned it a t- yeah, yeah, I've mentioned it a time or two, I think. <laughs> I see Eldora Speedway on here as well. So uh, that's, pretty, that's pretty cool. Again, I apologize for the dogs barking in the background. I'm the only one here. And uh, I expect it's probably going to get really noisy when everybody starts to arrive back home. So, again, my apologies. Okay. I, I heard a little um, bit in the background, but it's not, it's not bad. It's, it's not bad. That's good to know. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the Arkham Menard Series. Um, they've got a race, uh, the General Title 150 is taking place at Charlotte Motor Speedway this weekend, May the 27th at 6 p.m. Eastern. It will be televised on Fox Sports 1. So uh, everybody should be able to watch this one. And uh, there's... Uh, uh, some really good things going on here. It's a tight Arkham Art Series points uh, thing that's going on in this series. The uh, race, as I mentioned, starts at 6 p.m. Eastern, but there's also radio coverage that's available on MRN and SiriusXM, uh, actually channel 391, and the online channel is 981. You can also get race coverage at ArkerRacing.com. This is a 1.5-mile paved trioval. They will be racing 100 laps. Uh, they will have practice on Friday and qualifying starting at 12 o'clock Eastern time until 12.45. And, again, the race starts at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Okay, so what do we need to know going into 
the Sarkomalar Series race at Charlotte. Uh, besides the fact that the points are pretty tight. Well, there, there's a couple of things. You, you mentioned it, it being on FS1. Uh, all the points are the same as, or all the races are the same as far as points, but this really is a big race. Again, you're in the NASCAR, the heart of NASCAR there at Charlotte Motor Speedway. But for the general tire 150, it's the fifth race of the 2022 Arkham Menard Series uh, season. Previous winners on the year, they've included Corey Heim at Daytona, Taylor Gray at Phoenix, and then Nick Sanchez making a big run at that point. So you talk about Talladega and Kansas winner. So big weekend as far as points, the points being that tight. You're showcasing in front of the Charlotte area uh, where all the NASCAR owners and uh, teams will be. So I think it's a huge weekend for the Arkham Menard Series right there in Charlotte. Absolutely. The Arkham Menard Series has raced uh, 23 previous times at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Uh, And did you mention these previous winners? Uh, no, not for this, from those. Those are the previous at Charlotte, not for the year. Oh, okay. Uh, these are the previous uh, winners at Charlotte in those 23 previous times that they've raced there. Curtis Turner, Tim Steele, Mark Thompson, Gary Latin, Frank Kimmel, big name in ARCA, uh, Adam Petty, Mario Grossman, Kirk Shelmerdine, Lyndon Amick, Ryan Newman, Terry Earnhardt, Ryan Hemphill, Brandon Jones, Ty Majeski, and Ty Gibbs. Ty Gibbs, the most recent winner. And that list right there, that tells you how important this is. Some of the drivers that have come through the series, but also, whether it be on a limited schedule, race that race at Charlotte and picked up victories. Uh, a couple of Hall of Famers in there, as, as a matter of fact. Now, you mentioned uh, Tim, Tim Steele. He leads all the drivers with four Arkham Menard Series wins at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Him and Frank Kimmel, two very well-known drivers within this Arkham Menard Series, um, has three wins. And then Kurt Shelmerdine uh, picked up two. All the other drivers have one, and that includes, uh, mentioned, uh, Mark Thompson, Gary Layton, Adam Petty, Mario Goslin, Lyndon Amick, Jeff Fultz, and Ty Majeski, which those were all their first career Arkham Menard Series wins uh, coming there from Charlotte. Uh, for Leighton, Petty, Amick, and Fultz, it was actually their only career series win. Okay, and now uh, when you look at uh, Curtis Turner, Kirk Shamogin, and Brandon Jones, they all scored their final or most recent career victory at Charlotte Motor Speedway. So uh, that's kind of an interesting tidbit there as well. Ryan Newman holds the Arkham Menard Series qualifying record at Charlotte. That was set in 2000 at 28.911 seconds, 186.780 miles per hour. Uh, So that record still holds. uh, And I bet there's a few drivers that would love to break that record this weekend. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. And, again, I just look at some of the history here that, that we see some of these drivers. you got Tim Steele. He's holding the Arkham Nard Series race record at Charlotte Motor Speedway, set back in 1996 at 138.730 miles per hour. Now, as we look at this current year real quick, Rev Racing, we got teammates Nick Sanchez and Rajah Carruth. They enter that General Tire 150 
uh, tied for the Arca, Arca Menard Series championship points lead. We'll get to that as we as we end our session here on Arca Menard Series. But they both have 155 points, and that's three more points than GMS Racing's Daniel Dye. And Daniel missed a race, so well, that's really saying something for him. Uh, Gus Keen and Daniel Dye both lead the series with three top five finishes so far this year. Dean Dye and Nick Sanchez, along with Roger Carruth, lead the series with three top ten finishes so far this year. So uh, pretty cool to see uh, these guys having the seasons that they're having. Actually, Sharon, i got to correct you there as we get into this next section. Uh, if you remember, Daniel Dye got reinstated. He did actually, uh, I think it was the Friday before that it was made official. He did start that race. He had a, he had a rough day, but uh, he did get to start that race. Oh, okay. It might so have been an East race that he missed. But Okay, that's Yeah, cool that was one see. of them. Um, yeah. But he is one of ten drivers now that have started all four Arkham and Art Series race, uh, races so far in 2022. Raja Karuth leads all with a 5.75 average finish, and he's just in front of Daniel Dye at a 6.25. Nick Sanchez is at 7.25. Tony Bredinger at a 14.5. Amber Balcane at 16.75. Now, others who have started all four races are D.L. Wilson, our guest uh, we've had on a couple times, Greg Van Alls. Zachary Tinkle was just on not too long ago. Bryce Hardenberg, and then Brad Smith. All right. And Corey Heim actually leads the Arkham Knight Series with 141 laps led. Uh, that's followed by Sammy Smith in second at 79 laps at the front of the field, followed by Drew Dollar with 51, Taylor Gray and Nick Sanchez with 43, Daniel Dye with 32, Roger Carruth with 7, and Sean Cord with 6 laps led. Daniel Dye and Roger Carruth also have both completed 100% of the 402 possible competition laps so far this season. Sanchez has completed every lap except for one. So uh, very, very cool uh, to see these guys uh, being as competitive as they are. Well, and that tells it tells you right there uh, how competitive it is, like you said, and, and why they're at the top of the points. There are two of them tied in points. Daniel Dye three points back. And I didn't realize that. That means Daniel Dye got back on the lead lap to uh, to complete uh, the 402 possible laps. Um, I knew he had to make a comeback uh, from last uh, race, but I didn't realize he had gotten back on the lead lap. All right, All right so, um, yeah, I'm still here. Um, okay, so go ahead. We've got a lot to, we've got a lot to look forward to. Uh, let's, we've got a few minutes here. Uh, let's hit the uh, entry list and make sure we cover everybody that's going to be in this race. All right, that's uh, loading up for me here. I'll start at the bottom. Uh, we got Zachary Tinkle mentioned in the 06 Wayne Peterson machine. Uh, Chevrolet, Nate Mueller as the crew chief, and Josh White's going to be in an 03 uh, Ford owned and crew chief by Alex Club. Okay. 
We also have Dick Johaney in the number zero one from Boston Spa, uh, Spa, New York. He'll be driving the fast track racing Ford for Hillenburg. Uh, Liz Caparilli is the crew chief, so a female crew chief there for Dick Johaney this weekend. Also, Jacob Cantor is the crew chief for the uh, number 81 that will be driven by Brandon Jones for Gibbs Racing. Uh, he hails from Atlanta, Georgia. He'll be driving the Menards Tide Bounty Ford this weekend at Charlotte Motor Speedway. So he's doing some double duty there. He is. Again, these guys returning to their roots. Uh, cell phone team, the number 73 Ford, that's going to be Andy Andy Jankowicz. Uh, coming out of Tonawanda, New York, with Mike Dayton in his, as his crew chief. And then the number 69, Kimmel Machine, owner and crew chief, Bill Kimmel. Driver will be Will Kimmel in that Toyota. And the number 57 will be Brian Duzak, uh, hailing from Concord, North Carolina. He'll be driving in the brother-in-law's motorsport Chevrolet uh, with Bob Rahilly as his crew chief. And Terry Strange will be the crew chief for Brad Smith this weekend, uh, driving the number 48 Chevrolet for his own race team. Mentioned the uh, GMS machine, the 43, a Daniel Dye several times. He'll be crew chief to buy Chad Bryant, as usual. And another regular uh, moving up in the standings, Christian Rose with the West Virginia Tourism Sponsorship on the number 42 Chevrolet. Bruce Cook as the owner helping out as well, but Sean Samuels, the crew chief. Okay, and the number 36 from Elmwood, Illinois, is Tim Monroe. He'll be driving the Fort Worth screen plant Ford for James Huff with Richard Burgess on top of the pit box. And Jim Long will be on top of the pit box for Greg Van Oaks. And his number, 35 team, uh, he'll be driving that uh, number 35 CB. Fabricating Ford this weekend at Charlotte. In the Icon Ford, number 30, coming out of Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, Amber Balcane in the Mark Rett owned and a crew chief car. And then Tip Richmond out of Ottawa, and that's not Canada, that's Ottawa, Illinois. He'll be in the Circle Track Warehouse, number 27 Chevrolet, owned by David Richmond. Crew chief is Daryl Phillips. Kevin Reed Jr. is the crew chief for the Venturini number 25, driven by Tony Breidinger from Hillsboro, California, the FP Movement Toyota. Driving the number 23 this weekend for uh, the uh, Brett Holmes and Stacey Holmes uh, machine is Connor Mosack, hailing from Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, he will be driving... Uh, that number 23 was Shane Huffman on top of the pit box. I know you can search it. Go back and find an interview they had on Race Hub about Connor Mozak if you want to learn some more about him. Yes. That was a great interview. Now, a regular dangerous pair, we got Shannon Roosh, crew chief, and for Corey Heim in that number 20, Crescent Tools Toyota for Venturini Motorsports. And speaking of Venturini, Apparently, Drew Dollar decided he wants to stick with racing. He's in the number 18, Lynx Capital Toyota for Kyle Busch Motorsports. Mark McFarlane going to be the crew chief there. Yeah, big competition there between those two. 
Uh, Parker Chase will be in the number 15 Venturini machine. And uh, his crew chief is Kevin Reed. Uh, Dick Delhaney, uh I thought I saw that he's driving. He's going to be driving and crew chiefing uh, double duty for the Hillenburg number 12. Tommy V. Jr. will be uh, behind the wheel of that Chevrolet. And in the number, I already did you. It's your turn. <laughs> All right, yeah, the number 11 there is Tony Constantino coming out of Mansfield, Ohio. He's in the Hillenburg Toyota. In the Hillenburg Ford, number 10, that's Ryan Huff with Richard Burgess, and we saw that name already too, but uh, some of these guys mm-hmm. are getting listed more than once. Uh, listed yeah, as the crew really chief for Ryan Huff. All right, and the number 8 is Sean Core from Goshen, New York. He'll be driving the Trans Group Chevrolet. Uh, for their race team, and Mike Cheek is the crew chief. Jeremy Petty is the crew chief for the Eric Cogdell R.A. Wilson Toyota, driven by Matt Wilson, uh, behind the wheel of that number seven vehicle. And the last two we got on the entry list, that's your Rev Racing Machines, obviously involved in the points battle, tied up atop. The number six out of Washington, D.C., is Raja Caruth and Brad Parrott as the crew chief. And then the number two, and I think we're going to hear some uh, audio from him, Nick Sanchez, he'll be in the number two Chevrolet. Again, another one owned by Max Siegel. Um, Matt Boucher is the crew chief on that number two. Yeah, actually our audio, Jay, is going to be from Max Gutierrez. Uh, There we go. I apologize for that. You're right. I I saw that. You were going with uh, Max Gutierrez has graduated uh, with uh, come from Rev Racing, but uh, yes. moving up. Yes, he's going to be driving the number 37 AM Racing Chevrolet uh, in the truck series this week. And uh, we do have some pre-race audio from him uh, as he gets ready and prepares. Uh, this is actually his debut with AM Racing in that number 37. And... Uh, they uh, took some time to kind of chat with him this week, and we're going to listen to his post-race, I'm sorry, pre-race audio, uh, and the length is actually 14, almost 15 minutes uh, long. We're going to listen to about half of that, and then Jay and I will have some comments. So let's see what he has to say. There we go. Hi. Hi, how are you? You? Doing well. Thank you so much for spending some time with us this afternoon. Yes, well, you have an exciting weekend coming up this weekend. Um, Max is making his NASCAR Season World Truck Series debut at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Um, nice to, to start us off here. Um, tell us how exciting that is for you and, and maybe how you're preparing. Well, I have no words to describe how I feel right now. I'm in the NASCAR building right now, and I have a meeting, so everyone was excited, even me, and I didn't sleep, like, a whole week. So, I need to rest a lot, and how I prepare myself is just a similar after these interviews, I'm going to the shop to have a because it's going to be the first time I'm in the truck, and also we're going to have just very many practice. 
on Friday, so we are not going to have many time during the practice. And yeah, I want to thank all the people behind this project. Every, everyone has made an excellent job, and we're going to try to do our best this, this Friday. Well, we are very excited for you. Um, we will go ahead and uh, questions from the media now. If you have a question for Max, please raise your hand within the Zoom platform or type in the chat, and we'll be sure to get to you. Who would like to start us off? Alright, we'll start a call this morning. Go ahead, Cole. Thank you, Samantha. Hey, Max. Uh, you mentioned not getting too much sleep in preparation for this race. Uh, what do you do in those hours that you're laying there awake? Do you take uh, some additional preparation in there, or what does that look like? Well, uh, actually, I have many times uh, because I'm studying international business back in Mexico. So I have a little stress, and also I watch the, when I have time, watch other other races in the past years, so I can gain more experience and watch what they what they're doing or what they what they do in the, in the race and the speed that they have made. Thank you, Max. Good this weekend. Thanks so much. Any additional questions for Max? Okay, we will go to Eduardo almost. Good. I think you're muted. Oh, so uh, I'm going to switch to Spanish if you don't have any issues. Absolutely, go for it. Thank you. Max, que gusto saludarte. Felicidades por este video. ¿Cómo te sientes al respecto? Pues la verdad que muy, eh, muy agradecido con todas las personas. Eh, hay muchos eh, que han puesto su parte, muchos patrocinios, y les quiero agradecer. Estoy intentamente agradecido con ellos. Si no les tenemos aquí. Y la verdad estoy muy ansioso saber qué va a pasar eh, el día del viernes. Vamos a tener muy poco tiempo de práctica. Y en la carrera van a estar 36 camionetas que son muy competitivas. Ya vimos las, las carreras pasadas. Entonces, pues, tratar de hacer lo mejor que podamos, sin errores y, y, y aprender lo más que podamos. Entonces, todos los Really high 
with that said, are you trying to enjoy the entire experience by itself, or are you looking forward to just getting to the race? Well, and yes, I'm, I'm kind of nervous, but and I have confidence that our team is going to do a great job. Our sponsor is going to be there, and top field both of the and Uncle Sarah are going to be in, in, the, in the track. So we're going to try to do our best, and after this interview, uh, I already said we're going to have the best of practice. So all the mistakes that we can do can be less, less mistakes. Thank you. Thank you. Any additional questions for Matt? Well, Matt, thank you, so, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Okay, well, we'll go ahead and stop it there uh, with regard to the interview with Max. Uh, for those of you who speak Spanish, uh, we got a little uh, extra there for the Spanish uh, listeners. Uh, I think he asked him what his goals were for the weekend, and uh, I don't know. I, I I could be wrong about that, but uh, uh, I know Max says that he'd like to finish inside the top five. So uh, that would be kind of cool if he's able to do that in his debut race at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Well, I'm not even going to try and attempt to uh, to translate Spanish. That was not my uh, my language in high school. So, um, yeah, well, it's, it's the what's that? No, that's okay. I, it's not my mine either. I happen to understand a little bit of it, uh, so I'm just catching little bits and pieces. Is all that I can catch. So go ahead, Jay. Those those are some lofty goals, and, and that's great to see. I mean, you want to have confidence in your team. Uh, and I was just reflecting on it, thinking back to when we first started hearing his name as he was making his name, coming out of New Mexico, or uh, not New Mexico, the country of Mexico with Rev Racing, and to see where he's at now. And I know one of the questions asked is, you know, are you really just absorbing it and enjoying it? Are you super focused on it? And that's tough for a driver. You're talking about your truck series debut at Charlotte Motor Speedway. We saw the list of drivers that made their first, got their first win there um, at Charlotte Motor Speedway. So I'm sure that's a tough call. But like he said, he's still focused on running good. The, the confidence he has in the team that the top five is their goal. Uh, you know, the truck series, we've seen it. That's a lofty goal. That's a tough uh, task to perform. But to see him come out there and be like, hey, that is our goal. Yes, indeed. Uh, and Max Gutierrez uh, is a champion in Mexico, so he has reason to have some confidence in in uh, his ability and in his team. He's racing, uh, as I mentioned, in the AM Racing Chevrolet this weekend, the number 37. Uh, so he brings some experience with him. Uh, into the Camping World Truck Series, and uh, uh, we'll see what he is able to do. He's raced in the Arkham Menard Series and has done very, very well there and has finished in the top ten and won races in the Arkham Menard Series. Uh, that doesn't guarantee a top five finish in the truck series, 
but it's going to be fun to see what he does do uh, in that series. And uh, I'm excited uh, to see the international uh, flair that's coming into the uh, uh, truck series this weekend at Charlotte Motor Speedway. One of the biggest stages uh, he could make his debut at uh, is right there where NASCAR is, has some offices. So uh, that's pretty cool. Well, and I think that leads to uh, what we mentioned, just the confidence he has and the knowing of his ability to, to do so. Uh, you know, so we see some drivers, and I know some of it ties into sponsorship, all kinds of deals, but some will want to start a track they're more familiar with. Uh, you know, if you're a road, racing, road course racing, uh, not say expert, but better at it. Um, but to have that confidence to start right there, like you said, right in the hometown of NASCAR, uh, tells you he's, he's got to have all the confidence in the world in himself and his team and, and where they're going to come in at. Yes, indeed. Um, and and uh, we're definitely looking forward uh, to seeing him in that Camping World Trust Series race uh, that's taking place on uh, Friday night. In fact, uh, we might as well get into the Truck Series uh, event. Uh, that race is taking place at the North Carolina Education Lottery 200 at Charlotte Motor Speedway this Friday, May the 27th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, it will be televised uh, starting with pre-race coverage on Fox Sports 1 at 8 p.m. Eastern and radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They will be covering a distance of 201 miles, over 134 laps. Stage 1 ending on lap 30. Stage 2 also 30 laps ending on lap 60. And the final stage ending on the last lap, lap 134, uh, for uh, 74 laps. So, uh, Jay, if you can get us started, I am going to go check on the puppies here uh, and see if I can get them calmed down just a little bit. All right. I can do that. Uh, just let me know when you're back. I'll keep moving up until you get back. Got a okay, little thanks. more info. Yep. Uh, got a little more information here on Max Gutierrez as we slide into the truck series. Again, coming out of Mexico, he's going to make his Truck Series career debut at Charlotte, uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway. Coming from Mexico City, Mexico, he'll attempt to qualify for the North Carolina Education Lottery 200 for his Camping World Truck Series career debut. Now, if Gutierrez makes the event, he'll become the 66th different driver to drive driver all time in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series with their home country recorded as outside of the United States of America. He would also become the ninth different driver from Mexico to compete in the series. He would join Daniel Suarez, who comes from Monterey, Carlos Contreras, uh, Mexico City, as well as Jermaine Cuerga, and Michael Jordan. I remember him coming out of Mexico City. Enrique, Enrique Contreras III as well as Jose Luis Ramirez, all of those, as well as Ruben Pardo and Juan Ma Gonzalez coming out of Mexico City. All right, Sharon, if you're ready, you can take the four different winners there at Charlotte. Okay, I am back, at least momentarily. <laughs> uh, there are four different winners in the last four races at Charlotte, 
and the door to Victory Lane at Charlotte Motor Speedway in the Camping Hall Truck Series has been a rotating one uh, with those four different winners in the last four races. Johnny Sauter was the winner in, in 2018. There was Cal Bush in 19, Chase Elliott in 2020, and John Hunter Nemechek last year. Uh, both Bush and Nemechek are entered this weekend, so they're going to attempt to snap the different winner streaks. Uh, Nemechek is the defending winner, having won just last year, and Bush leads the series and wins with eight. His last victory, as we mentioned earlier, was in 2019. Well, we talked about Max Gutierrez wanting a top five. Uh, there's two spots you're going to have to really fight for in the top five, I think, with uh, John Hunter Nemechek and Kyle Busch. And so we'll see how, how that all plays out. Now, we're still going to talk about Kyle Busch Motorsports as Heim tightens up the Snoko Rookie of the Year standings considerably. And driving for Kyle Busch Motorsports, Heim might be on a part-time this schedule and he's not, uh, this season, and he is not participating this weekend. But with time, he has, the time he has spent behind the wheel, he has definitely made the most of it as he closed in the points lead down to two points in these rookie standings between himself and standings leader Wallace Allen. In last weekend's race at Texas, Heim finished seventh, which was his second top ten of the season. As mentioned, Heim is now second in the Snoko Rookie of the Year standings, moving up two spots from fourth of the previous week. So Wallace Allen still holds that rookie standings lead and will look to build on it this weekend at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Of the five rookies, Heim is not entered this weekend, and Jack Wood is the only one that has made a previous start at Charlotte. The other three being Allen, uh, Dean Thompson, and then Blaine Perkins, they'll be making their series track debuts this weekend. Wood has made his track debut at Charlotte last season. He started 20th and finished 15th. Okay, next up we have uh, seven races to go, which is five stops five spots left as the playoffs are looming for several drivers. There is a sense of urgency that has begun to drape itself over the Camping World Truck Series Championship competitors. Uh, And that's especially for those that have not locked themselves into the playoffs as the series prepares for the 10th event of the season. Now, the North Carolina Education Lottery is this Friday and Stuart Friesen last week became the fifth different driver buying for the title this season to win his way into the playoffs. He took the checkered flag in a dramatic overtime finish at Texas Motor Speedway last Friday, and he joined Zane Smith, who has three wins this season. Chandler Smith, John Hunter Nemechek, and Ben Rhodes all have one win apiece. Now, holding on to the final Camping World Truck Series playoff transfer spot, Intent is Thorther Sport Racing's Matt Crafton. He's up a hefty 35 points over the 11th place driver, Tanner Gray, after Texas. Now, Crafton right now is writing a streak of six straight playoff appearances in the series. That's the most all time. And now he's looking to keep that streak alive this year. So Crafton hasn't been to victory lane in 44 races. Uh, his last win came 
at Kansas Motors Kansas Speedway in 2020. Uh, Charlotte, however, is one of his better tracks, and that could be the place uh, he writes his ship. Grafton has made 19 starts at Charlotte, posting two wins in 2008 and 16. He has seven top fives there, along with 13 top tens. Uh, so, again, uh, the drivers outside the playoff cut line definitely will have their work cut out for them if they want to point their way into the postseason with just these seven races left in the regular season. Is it seven or ten? Oh, it's a tenth race. Okay. Um, so, Team DGR's Tanner Gray is the closest to the playoff cut line. He's 11th in the standings, just 35 points behind Kraft and he's just in 10th. Gray is having one of his best seasons of his career, already having two top five finishes along with three top tens in nine starts. Gray has made two series starts at Charlotte, putting up an average finish spell of 21.0. McAnally Hilgerman Racing's Derek Krauss is 12th in the driver's standings. He's 57 points back from Krauss, who's had an up-and-down season this year. In nine starts, he's put up two top tens. Uh, he's hoping this weekend uh, to run well at Charlotte. In his two starts there, he's managed an average finish of 12.0, including an eighth-place finish in this race just last season. Uh, after back-to-back top ten finishes in the last two weeks, Rackley Wars Matt Benedetto is finally starting to gel with his new team, and all the arduous work is uh, starting to show up in his box score. In nine starts this season, Benedetto is 13th in points. Uh, he does have 67 markers uh, between him and Crafton, who's 6th and 10th. He put, he's put up four top tens on the season, and this week, he is seeking his first career playoff berth in the series. Uh, he was making his draft debut at Charlotte Motor Speedway in the truck series. So we'll have to see what he's able to do. Our toy racing enterprises has Tyler Ankrum. He's sitting in 14th in the driver's standings after Texas. He's just one point back from Benedetto in 13th and 68 points back of Crafton in 10th. Now, this season, Ankrum's put up three top 10 finishes and nine starts, and he's looking to make the playoffs for the third time in his career. Uh, He did it in 2019 and also in 2020. Ankrum has three starts at Charlotte. He posted his posting an average finish of 18.7. The remaining three drivers still eligible to earn a spot in the playoffs include Timmy Hill, who's 106 points back, Austin Wayne South at 116 back, and Colby Howard at 127 points back. All or more than 100 points outside the postseason cut line, though mathematically possible to point their way in. <coughs> Excuse me. A win would be much easier uh, to get to the playoffs, however. At Charlotte this weekend, Kobe Howard will attempt to make a series track debut. Self has a 19.5 uh, average finish. Uh, it's a little bit better than Hills at 23.0, but 
at Shuttle Motor Speedway, a 1.5-mile track. So uh, that cutoff line is uh, pretty heavy with drivers all wanting to get a win rather than point their way in. Well, and you talked about getting a win, an uh, easier way to go about it to lock yourself in. And it became a fabulous five there as Friesen became the fifth championship contender to win this season. Helmar Racing's, Helmar Friesen Racing's, Stuart Friesen snagged the win in overtime last weekend at Texas Motor Speedway to become that fifth different championship contender to lock themselves into the postseason by virtue of the victory this year. Now with the Camping World Truck Series headed to Charlotte Motor Speedway uh, this weekend for the North Carolina Education Lottery 200, who will be the next driver that could add their name to that list, uh, the winner's list? We have a total of 10 different Camping World Truck Series drivers that have won at Charlotte Motor Speedway. It's led by Kyle Busch with eight victories. This weekend we have three active Camping World Truck Series Charlotte Motor Speedway winners entered into the North Carolina Education Lottery 200. Mentioned Kyle Bush with the eight wins at 05, 6, 10, and 11, 13, 14. Ooh, looked like back-to-back years there for a while, 17 and 19. Matt Crafton also has a pair with the 2008 and 16. And then John Hunter Nemechek with one victory in that coming last year in 2021. Now of those 10 different drivers, Three of them scored their first Camping World Truck Series career victory at Charlotte Motor Speedway, and that includes Kyle Busch, which was in 05, Matt Crafton in 2008, and a flashback of Justin Lofton in 2012. Now, four of the five winless drivers this season inside the top ten in the driver's standings after Texas are looking for their first series career win at Charlotte on the weekend, Matt Crafton being the only exception. Ty Majeski is up 85 points. Christian Eckes, 73 to the good. My pick, Carson Hosevar at plus 59. Grant Infinger at plus 37 have all built sizable leads over that playoff cut line Sharon was talking about, but have yet to win on the season or at Charlotte. Of the four, Hosevar at a 2.0 has the best average finish at the 1.5-mile track, but he's making his... Uh, I'm sorry, making his series track debut at Charlotte last last season, finishing runner-up to John Hunter Nemechek. And that was followed by Majeski at 7.5, Enfinger at 10.5, and Christian Eckes at 12.5. Okay, Jay, I am back. I'm not sure how how well this is going to go. So you may have to pick up uh, for me. Okay. As I, if these guys keep going again. Okay. Um, let's see. Up next in Charlotte Motor Speedway, the 10th race of the season. Uh, they're cranking up the lights for Friday night's uh, Camping World Truck Series race uh, this week. And again, the season kicks off the Memorial Day weekend celebration at Charlotte that is set to pay tribute to those who serve and honor those who have made the ultimate sacrifice to our country. Uh, that's what Memorial Day is all about. With this sixth straight top ten finish of the season last weekend at uh, Texas, John Hunter Nemechek now has leapfrogged over Thorsport Racing Ben Rhodes in the championship driver standings 
to take the lead for the Truck Series points. Nemechek is up by four points over Rhodes heading in Charlotte this weekend and is the fourth different driver to hold the points lead this season. Charlotte will be the fourth different 1.5-mile track that the series has visited this season, along with Las Vegas, Atlanta, and Kansas. Charlotte Motor Speedway has hosted the Camping World Truck Series 19 times, dating back to the inaugural event on May 16th of 2003. The first Truck Series event at Charlotte was won by Ted Musgrave. Uh, He drove a Dodge for Truck uh, Series owner Jim Smith. In total, 19 previous Truck Series races at Charlotte have produced 10 different pole winners and 10 different race winners, including Kyle Busch Motorsports owner driver Kyle Busch, who won in 2008, 10, and uh, in 14. He's tied with Mike Skinner, who did it in 2005, 6, and 7, for the series most poles at Charlotte with three each. So those guys uh, all have some little leads when it comes to polls. KBM's Kyle Busch also leads the series in wins, however. Uh, he has eight victories in 2005, 6, 10, 11, 13, 14, 17, and 19. In fact, Kyle Busch Motorsports has won an impressive seven of the last 12 races between 2010 and 2021. The winning percentage for that organization is at 58.3%, including John Hunter Humacek's win just last season. Now, this weekend, all the on-track activities will start, for instance, the Camping World Truck Series practice from 1.30 to 2 o'clock Eastern time, directly followed by the Connecticut Pole Qualifying at 2 p.m. Eastern, and both of those events will be televised on Fox Sports 1. So um, uh, the Camping World Truck Series has another big uh, race coming up this week at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Wow, and I was Any... excited there talking about a Dodge truck. I, I forgot uh, team owner Jim <laughs> Smith. I thought that was with Keselowski. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that was pretty cool to hear. Okay, now the Xfinity Series is also racing this weekend in the Alstor Uniforms 300. Uh, that race was to be Saturday, May the 28th, starting at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, and uh, it will be televised with free race coverage on Fox Sports 1 starting at 12 p.m. Eastern. PRN and TRSXM NASCAR Radio will have the radio coverage. They'll race a distance of 300 miles over 200 laps. Uh, stage one ends on lap 45. Stage two also 45 laps ends on lap 90. And then the final stage ends on the last lap, lap 200, for 110 laps. So um, uh, what do we have here for the Xfinity Series, Jay? Well, we're going to jump ahead a little bit as we got Mason Felipe. Uh, to attempt his Xfinity Series debut, but that'll be at Portland International Raceway. He's an IMSA Pilot Challenge driver, Mason Felipe, uh, with the support of Open Fender. He'll attempt his uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series debut in the number 91 DGM Racing Chevrolet coming up at Portland International Raceway next weekend. 
Felipe is a California native, quickly climbed the ranks of the SRO and IMSA, has experience at Portland International Raceway, including a win and a third-place finish. So he's thrilled to be in that car for DGM Racing and looking forward to the new challenge at Portland. Okay. Well, I'm sure fans are looking forward to watching him as well. Now, Junior Motorsports uh, continues to rack up points, however. Uh, They've really been on a roll this season with four of the 12 races uh, having been won by a JRM driver. Noah Gregson won at Phoenix from Talladega, Josh Berry at Dover, and Justin Algauer at Darlington. Uh, now they've set a record for the most consecutive stage wins at eight in the Xfinity Series after, after winning every stage from Talladega to last weekend's race at Texas. Joe Gibbs Racing previously held the record for setting seven consecutive stage wins and that was in 2019. Well, another one we got to hit on again here is we got Nick Sanchez returning to the Xfinity Series lineup at Charlotte. The NASCAR Drive for Diversity program, a developmental program designed to provide training and opportunities for women and minorities in the driver's seat and on pit crews within the NASCAR industry, and fans will get to see one of these drivers in Nick Sanchez as he makes his second start in the Xfinity Series this weekend in the Alsco Uniforms 300. Maybe that's why I got confused with whose audio we were playing. I knew they were both uh, on the list. Um, Sanchez made his series debut earlier this season at Phoenix Raceway, placing 26 in the number five BJ McLeod Motorsports Chevrolet. He'll once again join BJMM this weekend at Charlotte Motor Speedway, as well as later this season at Pocono Raceway, Michigan International Speedway, Kansas Motor Speedway, Bristol Motor Speedway, and then Homestead Miami Speedway. Speaking of Miami, he is a Miami, Florida native, uh, currently driving the number two Rev Racing Chevrolet full-time in the Arkham Menard Series, where he stands third in the point standing, uh, just four points shy of the leader. I don't think that got updated because he's tied with the teammate. But uh, in 26 Arkham Menard Series starts, he has posted three wins, 11 top fives, and he took on full-bodied stock cars after winning the Wendell Scott Trailblazer Award in 2019 as the most outstanding minority driver at NASCAR's weekly level, and that was in a late model. Okay. Okay, now there are some Xfinity Series drivers to watch this weekend at Charlotte. Three drivers that have been running very well in the recent past at Charlotte Motor Speedway include Daniel Hamrick, Justin Algauer, and Riley Earp uh, might be the ones to watch this weekend. Aside from Hamrick's crash last season that uh, gave him a 26-place finish at Charlotte, he's done pretty well at the 1.5 North Carolina track. Uh, to In his four other starts there, he posted two top tens and a runner-up finish. Hemrick has also done well at other 1.5-mile tracks, uh, such as Las Vegas and Texas. At Las Vegas, he posted four top fives and four top tens in eight starts, and most recently, uh, he placed third. As for Texas, he's coming off that 11th-place finish just last weekend, and he's posted three top fives and four top tens since 
the 2018 season. Now, last year, the Xfinity Series champion is looking for his first win of the season, and Charlotte Motor Speedway could be the place that he makes that happen. There's also veteran Justin Allgauer. He's had a hot start to his 2022 season with one win, five top fives from seven top tens, and the same could be said about his history at Charlotte Motor Speedway. In 19 starts, he's posted five top fives, ten top tens, and now he's just looking to add a win to his Charlotte staff. He came close in 19 after posting a second-place finish, and considering his performance the last two weeks at Darlington, uh, 1.366-mile track in Texas, the 1.5-mile track, it appears Alcala is now ready for his second trip to victory lane this season. Now, another driver uh, to keep an eye on this weekend is Stuart Haas Racing's Riley Erbst. Although he's yet to post an Xfinity Series win, he's done pretty well this season with four top fives and nine top tens in 12 starts. He's only given Charlotte Motor Speedway a go twice, but he's already won a hole that was in 2021, and he's finished 12th in both races. As for other 1.5-mile tracks on the schedule this season, he's proven to know how to get near the front of the pack. He posted a 12th-place finish at Las Vegas, a 4th-place finish at Atlanta, and an 8th-place finish at Texas just last weekend. In total this season, he's put up four top fives and nine top tens. So three drivers to keep your eyes on this weekend uh, at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And it is a big Memorial Day weekend there at Charlotte Motor Speedway we've talked about. As the majority of the NASCAR Xfinity Series drivers entered into this weekend, won't have to travel too far for that All-Sco Uniforms 300 taking place right there at Charlotte Motor Speedway on Saturday the 28th. And it's marking the halfway point of the 2022 regular season. And we saw last, uh, we last saw Joe Gibbs Racing's Ty Gibbs jumped uh, to the lead in the last 20 laps of the 200-lap Charlotte Motor Speedway Xfinity Series race to snag his second Xfinity Series, Series career win after what seemed like a promising run for his then JGR teammate Daniel Hemrick. Now, Hemrick had led 105 laps before falling victim to an incident on lap 186 last year. Gibbs will be back to compete in the NASCAR Xfinity Series Charlotte Motor Speedway race this weekend as he's looking to become the sixth different driver to win consecutive Xfinity Series races at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And it put him on a list joining Rob Moroso in 1988 and 1989 sweep. Jeff Gordon did it in the 1992 with a sweep. Mark Martin, a 95 and 96 sweep. Kyle Busch, a 2008 sweep, 2009, 2010, and then a 2013 sweep, as well as Austin Dillon, who had the 2015 sweep. The Charlotte Motor Speedway has hosted a total of 76 NASCAR Xfinity Series races, dating back to the inaugural event back on May 29, 1982. The first NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Charlotte was won by Handsome Harry, Harry Gant. Since then, there's been 49 different race winners with 37 different race winners. Uh, I'm assuming that's the poll. Uh, 
49 different Xfinity Series race winners, and I'm guessing that's supposed to say 37 different pole winners, with Gibbs currently sitting as the youngest winner as he won last year's race at 18 years, 7 months, and 25 years old. As with many tracks, we got to talk about the veteran Kyle Busch as he's etched his name in the Charlotte Motor Speedway record books with that most wins of nine, most top fives in 19, most top tens is at 22, and then most lead lap finishes also at 22, and most laps led at 1,475 here in the Xfinity Series. Others that have made a name for themselves at the track, they include Carl Edwards and Matt Kenseth, as they are both tied for the most poles at four. And then Kenny Wallace with the most laps completed at 6,281 done in 35 races. The on-track action for the Xfinity Series, again, will set to start Friday, May 27th. They'll have a practice session at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, followed right up at 4 p.m. Eastern time, uh, and you can check that all out on FS1. All right. Now, uh, we'll go ahead and get into the Cup Series. They usually have a little bit more, so that extra time that we have here will probably be used up. Uh, they will be racing the Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte Motor Speedway this Sunday, May the 29th at 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, the Fox coverage will actually be on Fox starting at 5 p.m. Eastern, radio coverage on PRN and QSXM NASCAR radio. They'll be racing a distance, the biggest race of the season, 600 miles over 400 laps. Stage one ends on lap 100, stage two on lap 200 for another 100 laps, and then stage three ends on lap 300, and the final stage, uh, again, ends on lap 400. So 100 laps for each of those stages uh, for the biggest race of the season for the NASCAR Cup Series at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Well, we'll take a look at uh, some news and notes uh, on the bottom section here. we got a triple header weekend, not just for the Cup Series top three series, but for Ryan Priest himself. He's a Connecticut native. Uh, Ryan Priest has a full plate of racing this weekend at Charlotte Motor Speedway. As the 31-year-old will be pulling that triple duty, competing in all three of NASCAR's National Series races. On Friday night in the North Carolina Education Lottery 200, Priest will be in the number 17 at Team DGR Ford for his fifth start in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series this season. In his four previous starts this year, he's posted two top fives and four top ten. Then on Saturday in the Alsco Uniforms 300, Priest will be jumping into the number five BJ McLeod Motorsports Ford for his second NASCAR Xfinity Series start of the year. In this series, uh, his season debut in the number five was at Richmond, where he posted a 16th place finish. Then Sunday, he's going to keep at it. Priest will pilot the number 15, Rick Ware Racing Ford, his second start of the season on the cup side, made his series season debut at Dover a few weeks back, putting up a 25th place finish. Okay, another thing to watch for this weekend, the Carolina Panthers Wide receiver D.J. Moore has been named the honorary pace car driver. 
so he will lead the field to green as the honorary pace car driver for the 63rd running of the Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Moore is joining an all-star cast of current and former Panthers to serve in dignitary roles at America's Home for Racing. He joins Christian McCaffrey, uh, Greg Olson, Thomas Davis, uh, who have all helped bring NASCAR's crown jewel event to life through the years from behind the wheel of the Toyota Camry TRD Ace Car. So, uh, again, a Carolina Panther uh, uh, driving that pace car at Charlotte this weekend. Well, before we get to the pace laps, we got the pre-race, and we got Leonard Skinnerd is going to play the Coca-Cola 600 pre-race concert at Charlotte Motor Speedway. The iconic rock band Leonard Skinnerd will salute America with the ultimate Memorial Day weekend concert ahead of that 63rd running of the Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte Motor Speedway. The, the 2006 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees will perform a bevy of their Southern Rock anthems for the Coca-Cola 600 ticket holders during an hour-long pre-race concert right there on Pitt Road. Now, fans who upgrade their race tickets to a track access pass will have stage front access for that performance. So if you're a Leonard Skinner fan, you get to be up close and personal. Okay, well, last weekend uh, at Texas, Ryan Blaney won the all-star race, uh, so he's looking to become the ninth driver uh, to win the all-star and the Coke 600 in the same season. Team Penske's Ryan Blaney won last week uh, at Texas Motor Speedway, and this weekend at Charlotte Motor Speedway, he's attempting to become, to become that ninth different driver to win both races in the same season. If he does so, he would join driver Kyle Larson, who did it in 2021, Kurt Busch, who did it in 2010, Casey Kane in 08, Jimmy Johnson in 03, Jeff Gordon in 1997, Dale Earnhardt did it in 1993, Davey Allison in 91, and Daryl Waltrip in 1985. So that goes back quite a ways. Uh, as far as NASCAR history. Certainly is. Uh, always amazing when you put your name on that kind of list. Another list we're going to look at is Charlotte for Charlotte Motor Speedway. It's a great place for first-time winners. When it comes to getting your first win in the NASCAR Cup Series, nowhere beats Daytona International Speedway with 22 first-time winners. But when it comes to 1.5-mile tracks, None have produced more first-time winners than Charlotte Motor Speedway with 10, which is the fourth most all-time behind Daytona at 22, Talladega at 13, and then a short track of Martinsville with 12. And the most recent driver to win his first career NASCAR Cup Series race at Charlotte Motor Speedway, that would be Richard Childress Racing's Austin Dillon, collected his first checkered flag back in 2017. Looking at the list prior to that is David Rudeman on uh, May 25th, 2009. Casey Mears did it on May 27th of 07. Jamie McMurray, I remember that one, October 13th, 2002. <laughs> Matt Kenseth, uh, May 28th of 2000. Yeah, I remember several of these, actually. Uh, Bobby Labonte back in May 28th of 95. 
Jeff Gordon in 94, uh, May 29th, 1994. And you got a little bit of a gap. It goes back to Charlie Glotzbach in uh, October of 1968, October 20th, 1968. Buddy Baker, October 15th, 1967. And then David Pearson on May 28th, 1961. Now, the 2022 season has already seen three first-time winners. We got Austin Sindrick, who picked up the Daytona 500 victory. Chase Briscoe did it at Phoenix. And Ross Chastain, uh, first one came at Coda, and he followed it up at Talladega. In the modern era, 1972 to the present, the most first-time winners in the NASCAR Cup Series has, been, has seen in a single season is five. That happened in 2001 and 2011. So we got two more to go to tie that record. How about it? I think it could happen. Um, now, two drivers to keep your eye on this weekend include Kevin Harvick and Martin Truex because they're still winless so far this season. But they lead the series in victories at Charlotte Motor Speedway. So are Stuart Hodge's Racing's Kevin Harvick and Joe Gibbs Racing's Martin Truex Jr. lead all of the Cup Series drivers, all active Cup Series drivers in wins at the track. And they head into this weekend winless on a season, winless on the season, but they're hoping to visit Victory Lane and in that streak. Harvick is currently riding the second longest winning streak of his career at 56 races without a win. His longest streak of races in the Cup Series without a win was 115 races from 2007 to 2010. Before that, his current winless streak date that he's on, he won 11 straight seasons, 2010 to 2020, with at least one win. Now, Harvick last won at Bristol Motor Speedway in September of 2020. So it's been a while. Harvick and the number four SHR team have struggled on the 1.5-mile tracks this season, uh, finishing 12th at Las Vegas. They finished 21st at Atlanta, 15th at Kansas. His best finish this season was a runner-up finish at Richmond Raceway. And in 13 starts, he's put up two top fives and six top tens. At Charlotte, Harvick has made 39 starts, posting three wins in 2011, 13, and 14. He has nine top fives and 20 top tens, including finishing top ten in his last four starts at the track. Joe Gibbs Racing's uh, Martin Truex Jr. is tied with Harvick for the most wins at Charlotte among active drivers. He has three victories there in 2016, 17, and 19. Truex uh, has completed 21 races since his last win uh, in the Cup Series. That was at Richmond Raceway on September 11th of 2020. This year, Truex has collected two top fives, six top tens, and his best finish this season is a fourth-place finish at Richmond. <clears throat> Though Truex has had the speed at 1.5-mile tracks this season, he's finished eighth at Las Vegas in Atlanta. He finished sixth at Kansas. However, at Charlotte, Truex has made 30 series starts, posting three wins, seven top fives, and 13 top tens. Uh, which one of those two will be the first to snap that winning streak? Well, I know you're behind Truex. You 
<laughs> yeah, you picked Truex again this week, so I know you're behind him. <laughs> okay. Now, with a win this weekend, Danny ha- Denny Hamlin could join some elite club. Uh, three major pillars within the NASCAR Cup Series schedule. Some even refer to them as the crown jewel events of the series. The Daytona 500, the Southern 500, and this weekend's Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte Motor Speedway are all extremely difficult to win by themselves, and even more so is conquering all three. In NASCAR Cup Series history, only 11 drivers have won all three major events, and with the win this weekend, Joe Gibbs Racing's Denny Hamlin could be that 12th. A NASCAR Hall of Famer leads the series in crown jewel wins with a combined 12 victories across the three events. Three That's Daytona Jeff 500 Gordon. wins. Oh, I'm sorry. What? I'm, uh, yeah, you Jeff just Gordon. Said Hall of Famer. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. NASCAR Hall of Famer Jeff Gordon uh, leads the series in crown jewel event wins with a combined 12 victories across the three events. Uh, three of them being Daytona 500 wins, coming in 97, 99, and 2005. Six Southern 500s, uh, 95, 6, 7, 8, 2002, and 2007. And three in the Coca-Cola 600, coming in 1994, 97, and 98. Another one, Stuart Haas Racing's Kevin Harvick. He's currently the only active driver to already have accomplished the feat with five combined victories across the three historic events. He's got one Daytona 500 victory in 2007, two Southern 500s coming in 2014 and 2020, and then two Coca-Cola 600 in 2011 and 13. Mother drivers uh, in between there, we got Richard Petty. He's obviously got seven Daytona 500 victories, only one Southern 500, but then two Coca-Cola 600s for a combined 10 uh, wins. Bobby Allison also has 10, three in the Daytona 500, four in the Southern 500, and three in the Coca-Cola 600. Jimmy Johnson came in fourth on the list uh, with eight, having two Daytona 500 wins, two Southern 500 wins, but he had four Coca-Cola 600 victories. Several drivers at seven total. Dale Earnhardt, uh, one Daytona win. Oops. Uh, one Daytona win, three Southern 500 wins, and three Coca-Cola wins. Daryl Waltrip had one 500 win, one Southern 500 win. He had five Coca-Cola 600 wins. Dale Pearson, the other one was seven. His was uh, one Daytona win, three Southern wins, and three Coca-Cola 600 wins. Eighth on the list, Buddy Baker has five as well as Kevin Harvick. Baker's stat line is one 500 victory, one Southern 500 win, and three Coca-Cola 600 wins. Harvick's the one Daytona, two Southern, and two Coca-Cola. Matt Kenseth, the other one, he has two Daytona 500 victories, one Southern 500 and one Coca-Cola 600 for a total of four. And then Leroy Yarbrough uh, had one at each, one Daytona 500, one Southern 500 and one Coca-Cola 600, the 11th driver, and he had three. And Denny Hamlin is one of 11 active drivers that have already won at least one of the three events of those three, uh, the Daytona 500, Southern 500, or Coca-Cola 600. 
and leads all active drivers in combined wins with the six victories. Again, his is three Daytona 500s from 2016, 2019, and 2020, and then three Southern 500s from 2010, 2017, and this year's 2021 session. I'm sorry, last year's. Okay. Uh, next up, we have uh, NASCAR salutes the military and their families in the Coca-Cola 600. Uh, NASCAR salutes together with Coca-Cola returns for a safe season, celebrating the service and sacrifice of U.S. service members and their families. Tributes this season began at Dover Motor Speedway on May 2nd and will conclude with the 600 miles of remembrance during the Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte Motor Speedway on Memorial Day weekend. Fans can follow and engage on social media using the hashtag NASCARSalutes. Unique to the program this year, however, NASCAR Salutes Wall of Honor will make its debut at each NASCAR Waste Weekend in May. The mural wall is located in track midways and allows fans to write messages to the military on individual magnets. Each magnet will then be added to the mural to create a dynamic, dynamic mosaic unique to each track that will later be donated to a military base. To conclude, NASCAR salutes together with Coca-Cola. NASCAR and Coca-Cola will again host Gold Star families during the Memorial Day weekend at Charlotte Motor Speedway with all 40 NASCAR Cup Series cars featuring the name of a fallen service member on, the, on their windshield during the Coca-Cola 600. In addition to several other NASCAR salute activities that will be taking place, including at each NASCAR event throughout the month of May, service members from local bases will have access the complimentary grandstand tickets, and a unique VIP experience made possible by Vet Tips and the NASCAR Troops to the Track program. Also, Charlotte Motor Speedway continues its annual Mission 600, pairing the Coca-Cola Racing family and other drivers with military bases to educate the NASCAR community about the day-to-day lives of men and women who are serving or have served. Xfinity, a proud premier partner, is also displaying red, white, and blue Xfinity windshield headers on the race cars during the Xfinity Series Osco Uniforms 300 at Charlotte Motor Speedway. That's to showcase their company's commitment to hiring 21,000 veterans, National Guard, and reserve service members and military spouses who bring unique skills and experiences to Comcast NBC Universal. Also, the camping world will celebrate with red, white, and blue windshield details on all trucks racing in the North Carolina Education Lottery 200 at Charlotte. Uh, camping world, of course, is a very strong supporter of the military branches and proudly displays 3,200 square foot of American flags at its nationwide retail locations. AMR, the official emergency medical services partner of NASCAR, 
will also feature the NASCAR salutes together with Coca-Cola branding on its NASCAR safety trucks and safety team helmets throughout the program. For this season, Mack Trucks, the official hauler of NASCAR, will wrap one of its NASCAR haulers in support of NASCAR salutes leading into the Memorial Day weekend. The final design was selected by fan votes with the voting period closing this week. Continuing its tradition, Goodyear will also replace its iconic eagle sidewall design with honor and remember during the Coke 600 in recognition of the organization working closely with the industry to honor Gold Star families who have lost family members as a result of serving. During the broadcast of the Coca-Cola 600, Fox will display the name of every U.S. Armed Forces member who has lost his or her life since last year's Memorial Day weekend race as a part of a special tribute titled Fox Sports Remembers, an initiative that was begun in 2009. Fox's scroll will begin running during its pre-race show at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. So a lot going on uh, this weekend with the NASCAR Salutes program. <clears throat> we are and I got to say, NASCAR always. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say NASCAR always just... does a great job with their Memorial Day weekend uh, festivities and the, what they do to honor the troops. So big shout out to them for that. Yes, indeed. Okay, we are at the top of the hour. That means it's time for a NASCAR. Hot Topic Sound Off, and uh, Jay, I can't believe it's just going to be you and I. Andy wasn't available, Mike is work, working, and unfortunately Tommy wasn't available. And um, I know that uh, Chris has uh, work that he does on Thursday nights, so he's not available. Okay, I hadn't heard, I didn't know if uh, you had heard back from Tommy. I know uh, he normally likes to jump in here when he can. Um, I know Mike and uh, and or Mike, yeah, Mike and Andy stay uh, pretty busy there. Uh, unfortunately, couldn't be on tonight. Yes, indeed. Okay, so which hot topic do you want to get started with, James? <laughs> well, I'll I'll set that soapbox up for you here. Let me find it. Oh my. <laughs> might might as well get that one out out of the way right off the get-go right yeah i saw that this morning and i felt compelled uh let's see where is it now uh is that under it oh here we go okay so let me get the original post pulled up uh denny hamlin Okay, I think you got your your fair warning uh, post there actually under. Yeah, I think I put it under the wrong thing, didn't I, or was there something else? Yeah, okay, so let me find the one of of Denny Hamlin is the one I'm looking at. I was responding to the article, yeah. Okay, what, say that again, Sharon? I was post- I guess I was responding to the article that you posted under that same hot topic. Okay, did I do that? Did I put the You're right. I put Okay, so I put it I started it under the wrong one. Okay. So the topic is 
uh, Denny Hamlin issuing an ultimatum to NASCAR, change or we won't expand. And it was an article coming up on, let me see where it's uh, from. EssentiallySports.com. Okay, Essentially Sports, and it looks like uh, Drew George. Uh, essentially what it is saying, and he's quoted as recently having spoke, Denny Hamlin recently spoke to NASCAR CEO Jim Cramp and demanded a change in the way things are run. And Hamlin has confirmed that his 2311 racing team plans to expand in the future, but would go on record saying that after meeting with Jim France, my message was clear that we need to stop talking about cutting. Cutting does not equal growth. If we start working collectively, then we can grow this sport together. But the business model will have to change for that to happen. We at 2311 have big plans, but those plans are on hold until we see change. So that's apparently what he brought to Jim France. Um, and Sharon, I'll, I'll go ahead and let you start here. I, I know you got, uh, I don't know how long it took me to read all that this morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. Um, it goes on to say uh, that without a doubt, Kirk Bush's win would have galvanized the team. As a result, there are plans and development to buy more charters or develop a new headquarters. Unfortunately, unless NASCAR decides to cede to their demands, those designs will be on ice for the time being. The main issue is figuring out how to earn more TV money with the next media rights deal. And I think that's what set me off. Uh, according to reports, the new deal is expected to land by 2025. Additionally, the organization wants a clearer picture of how much to spend on operating the next-gen cars. For now, though, he and 2311 Racing have to focus on the ongoing NASCAR Cup Series season. At the moment, Hamlin is in the playoffs, as is Bush. Uh, from his win at Kansas Speedway, but they're still looking to get uh, Bubba Wallace to victory lane. So the TV rights deal, I think, is part of what I was responding to here. Uh, again, I think it's rather vague. They, they're saying that they're making a, uh, a series of demands without really telling us what those demands are, um, uh, and that they're putting all of their plans, which they, again, don't say what those plans are, on hold, <laughs> excuse me, until NASCAR uh, meets their demands. Uh, I don't know. I'm a little frustrated with Denny Hamlin right now, uh, to say the least. Uh, it's become a weekly thing that we hear from him every single week. He's got a complaint about me. Get your bone. So, yeah, can you hear me? Sorry, I thought okay. I was on mute. Uh, I was taking care of my, yeah. No, I thought I was on mute. I was taking care of my dog. Sorry about that. Oh, okay. So I did get on my soapbox this morning, uh, and I just said this is one of those articles that stir the pot without giving any specific details. And I've already outlined where I thought those details were missing. I understand the issue that he has with the TV deal and that he wants NASCAR to share profits with the teams, but there has to be more to that for him to take up the time of Jim France. Uh, one, NASCAR already 
has been very supportive of teams that have come to them and said that they have a need. They do it in various ways. might be helping them to secure sponsorship. It might be helping them to get tires that they need. Um, but NASCAR gets actively involved in helping teams when they need that help. Um, they may not give the help directly, but they help them look for people that can help them directly. Um, it, Marcus Lemonis is another one uh, in the Camping World Truck Series that has made an open offer to teams uh, that are looking for support. Uh, he's but he just wants his name on their trucks. And he's done that several times with many teams in the Camping World Truck Series. Hamlin, however, wants the support more equally shared across the board. In my opinion, the bigger teams don't necessarily need more money, so that doesn't really make good business sense for NASCAR, especially when you consider the efforts that they put to making the creating parity amongst the teams in order to get more competition. So to me, that sounds counterproductive, what Denny Hamlin is asking them to do. NASCAR's already taken steps to create that parity, uh, and if they want to equally distribute the TV rights deal among all the teams, uh, that just is counterproductive, in my opinion. Uh, I don't think if, – if, if it was your team, I don't think anybody would do that individually. Not only that, but NASA needs that separation of roles, in my opinion, again, between the sanctioning body and the teams and the players. You don't have the teams and the players become part of the sanctioning body. It, it just isn't a good model. And so if he, that's what he's asking them to do, I think that's not a model that's really going to work well for NASCAR. Two, and I brought this up earlier, it's really challenging to support Hamlin right now because he's fallen into that every week complaint about NASCAR. Uh, I think what he's done is he's created a face that he's bringing to the table that doesn't support the industry as a whole but he's asking that industry to support him. So NASCAR is not going to support that kind of behavior. Um, I think what he's trying to do is to bring a Jordan Nash type leadership style, uh, but his approach is really off the mark of what Jordan did. Jordan was the kind of guy that had a way of making the teams that he played for better. And he did have an in-your-face style that that he did with the, his uh, peers, but he didn't do it out in public. He also had a buddy style that he would sit down with them individually, have a face-to-face conversation, and, and really challenge them on how much they wanted to be a, a great team. And, and he was successful at that. Jordan did on occasion call out the management of the Bulls organization and other organizations that he worked with, but it wasn't an issue that he put up every week in a public format. So I, I just think that having studied what pressure does as far as developing productivity within an organization, a little pressure does wonders. 
sometimes you can put pressure on people and it helps them perform better. But what Jordan is doing, or what uh, Hamlin is doing, is he's bringing it to the table every single week. And I think what he's done is he's taken that pressure to a point of not getting results. Because when you do that every single week, it starts to sound like the Charlie Brown uh, parental characters that go, wah, wah, wah. You don't really hear it anymore. Hamlin might have some good ideas, but those are getting lost in the noise that he's making every single week. So I really think he needs to take a step back. Um, if you look at Hamlin's career, and I've, I've watched this over the years, and personally, I think that Hamlin lacks an emotional intelligence that would really help him if he took the time to work on his emotional intelligence. Uh, he doesn't. Uh, and I think the really sad thing about all of this is that Hamlin doesn't get that he doesn't get it, and he doesn't want to hear it. <laughs> uh, I think he has to stop that cycle if he really wants people to take note of what he has to say. And he hasn't. He's, he's got a whiny way of going about it, and it's not effective. It's not working, in my opinion. I don't think it's working, especially when you stack it up against teams like what Trackhouse Racing is doing. Now, they're making change, and they're not putting the, the – they're not asking somebody else to make the change. They're making the change happen within their organization, and that's an effective way to do it. And I don't see what Hamlin's doing as being an effective way uh, to be a change agent within NASCAR. I think it's a very ineffective way. It's, it's becoming annoying, and I, I just don't see him making any headway with it. That's my soapbox. I'll let you take a turn. As I said, no, do you need to do your uh, spiel yet on oh. time? No, I'm just kidding. No, no. I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, my God. Did I kill that one? You know, as, as a whole, uh, there's a lot of things there that, that I agree with you on. I'm going to play devil advo- devil's advocate a little bit on a couple points, though. Um, first off, the article. Now, you said it's, it's vague and doesn't give any specifics. They may not have that. I know even Denny Hamlin's quotes, like you said, wasn't real clear on what it was even that they were demanding. So, you know, give, give some credit there. I don't, I don't know that their intent was necessarily to stir the pot uh, with some open, vague information because they might not have had that information. They just published what they had. Second, then, uh, you know, I agree with, with what Denny Hamlin, he said, hey, I spoke to Jim France. I think some changes need to be made. He is in a position to be able to do that. We've talked about this. Over, over the years, NASCAR has done a tremendous job of working with team owners, sponsors, the TV per, uh, rights and the broadcast. Overall, that has been greatly improved from, and I'm not going to try and badmouth it. Uh, I think it was time for an evolution change, but you think back to big Brian France, um, you know, my way or the highway, I don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have that anymore. 
Okay, now I think Denny Hamlin's trying to go overboard with it. You know, they're not going to answer every whine and cry that, that a driver makes, like, like you said. And we all kind of agreed on that, that, you know, and man, I wish, I know on Sirius XM radio, they got the sound drops, the Charlie Brown's teacher, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> You're right. It, it's just becoming tuned out because it's happening each and every week about something. Um, as I was reading through your stuff this morning and thinking about it, first off, though, to make the demands of we're not going to expand, Junior Motorsports, Dale Jr. kind of said that, too. We're not going to move up to the cup level because the price of the charters is too high and this and that. I think back, though, when it comes down to it, the sport of NASCAR is bigger than one person. And I go back to uh, the France uh, when Talladega was built and the teams wouldn't wouldn't drive on it. They said, we're not going to race. They went out and they found drivers and they had that race. We've seen drivers such as Recently, Jimmy Johnson, Tony Stewart, Jeff Gordon, think of the legends, Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt in passing. Yes, they had an impact on the sport. Yes, they were important to the sport, but the sport moves on and continues. Okay, Uh, think about Michael Jordan in basketball. Very important and, and carried the league for his time period. But when that time period is gone or retirement or whatever the case is, the, the sport itself is still going to move on. So to carry that kind of thread of we're not going to expand or we're not going to race, yeah, you're just making yourself, I agree, look bad. So there, I think there is a better way to go about it. Pick through what valid points he has and what he's talking about and how they can be accomplished, but that should be done behind closed doors. I think about mm-hmm. Rick Hendrick, Hendrick Motorsports, Richard Childress of RCR, Joe Gibbs, you don't think they've had an impact on how the direction the sport has gone, but you don't see them, like you said, doing it in the public media like that. It's behind closed doors. Even Dale Earnhardt, uh, Mike Helton talked about that. Of After the first couple of being called to the hauler on a regular basis, and I'm sure Earnhardt had a lot of influence on the direction of the sport as well, but it wasn't done in that kind of public format like that especially not caring that if I don't get my way, I'm going to take my ball or my car and go home. And, and you know what? If, if <laughs> I would say take your ball and go. <laughs> I, I don't think they need Denny Hamlin um, uh, to make this sport successful. You've got other teams. Like I say, Trackhouse Racing, I think, is, is just doing a phenomenal job of doing some creative things uh, to work within uh, the the existing situation. Now, can there be changes made? Absolutely. Is there room for improvement? Absolutely. But Denny Hamlin has no foot to stand on to make a demand of NASCAR uh, to uh, change their model, or he's going to take his business and go elsewhere, is basically what he's saying. You know, you're right. The the world will still turn if Jenny Hamlin is not in NASCAR. Uh, the world will still turn if they don't expand their team. They're they're drawing a line in the sand and backing themselves into a corner, and it, that's just not a smart thing to do <laughs> because it's not necessarily going to go all their way. Um, 
And uh, I've seen NASCAR say that to drivers. Uh, this, this We've been going on since 1947, and we're going to continue to go on even if you're not here, Denny Hamlin. So I think he needs to get off of his, um, uh, I don't know what, his high horse, I guess, I'll put it that way, uh, and just kind of tone it down a little bit if he wants people to really take him seriously. Right now, I find it really hard to take him seriously. And you make some good points. However, I will say this. If they don't have the details, why report something like that? Is it Denny Hamlin going to the reporter and asking him to put it out there? Or is it the reporter going to Denny Hamlin? Uh, I don't really know. But I, I just think that um, if you've got nothing to report, don't put it out there, <laughs> is, is kind of the way that should have been handled. Um, but again, if, if they want to report that Denny Hamlin's making demands of NASCAR to do, to, uh, make changes, um, that's just, uh, doesn't reflect well on Denny Hamlin. And again, I think it goes back to his emotional intelligence. I, I don't think he really has, um, the head, or I, I don't want to put it that way. He just needs to take a step back and really uh, think about what he does before he does it because sometimes he makes himself and he really could be making greater strides if he did things a different way. And and he just keeps repeating that same thing. And that's what aggravates him because I want to give him credit sometimes but it's hard to do it when he does these when he does this stuff. Well, and and I'll tell you what, you know, Kyle Busch is kind of in that same same spot when he's doing good things to help younger drivers, but then some of the things he does takes away from that, and some fans yeah. won't look past that. So you're right, and and I, I can't argue that that you know, I, and I'm in that same boat. I am getting a little tired of hearing him. Uh, like I said, week in week out, it's about this or it's about that. Um, so it does um, make it difficult to even hear what it is and if there are valid and good points within what he's talking about or to take him seriously um, or if it's just another rant. So we'll have to see if that changes. And I know being partners with Michael Jordan, um, I think you notice we haven't seen that from Michael Jordan himself. So Mm -hmm. I know Mike had this a, a couple of weeks ago when we talked about Denny's performance. Uh, maybe this ownership thing is is being a little more distracting than what he thought as far as being on track. So that too, you know, new to this, um, get a handle on that of when to focus on the ownership side, how to focus on it, like you said, um, as well as then keep your focus on driving. You still got a job to do with the Joe Gibbs racing, and I think he's doing a good job. We know we're going to see him come playoff time. Um, but balancing that, that hat wearing, if you will, of, of swapping the hats back and forth. Now, I do like what you compared with, because we talked about this track house racing, you know, coming in as a mm-hmm. second-year team. Um, they've gotten two victories uh, with Ross Jastain, Daniel Suarez coming really close, and the success they're having. And I think about other teams, uh, Colleg Racing, the way they've moved up and through the program, GMS Racing, as we've seen them develop. You don't see that same type of, like you said, screaming, help me, help me, help me, 
it's we did this on our own. We're gonna if this is their rules, and they you know, they're again they may be having conversations with NASCAR. It's just not getting publicized. And to answer mm-hmm. that, I, you're right. I don't know uh, whether or not the the question was even asked of Denny Hamlin. Can you clarify what it is you're demanding? What did it? What changes you would like to see? And I think Mike put that too. Um, let me see if I can pull that back up real quick. Of be a little more clear on what it is you're asking for. Now, whether they ran with this story on their own, or like you said, if if they did get to Hamlin and, and got the specifics, um, at least ask him to clarify a little more what it is you're looking for, what changes it is, other than help my team. Exactly. Again, track house racing is, it doesn't appear that they're asking for help. They're looking for innovative ways to make things happen, and they're doing it. Even with the Rickelman, Rickelman, uh thing that's going on, their Project 91, uh, those are things that nobody else is doing, but they are doing it. They're a brand-new team, and they're doing things that have never been done before. And obviously, they are talking to NASCAR. They're saying, we'd like to do this. And NASCAR's given them to go ahead to do it. So I, I, I just think that the, the, the contrast in the way Trackhouse Racing is doing some of these things and the way Denny Hamlin is putting the face of 2311 uh, is, is a stark contrast. And uh, I think Trackhouse has got it right. I think uh, 2311 has got it totally wrong in in their approach and their way of looking at it. Uh, I, I just I, I just think uh, I'd follow Trackhouse at this point a lot more heavily than I would 2311. All right, and and, and Tommy doesn't want the All Star race at Texas anymore, so we got two very definitive opinions on things. <laughs> That's right. Uh, we've had some some soapboxes this week, um, but yeah, that that's uh, that's pretty much it. So where do we want to go from there? Well, I'll go ahead. Oh, I hit the wrong one. I was going to say, uh, being that I did put that up under, like you said, I started that discussion under the wrong one. Mike actually had up. Uh, it was a penalty. We'll go ahead so you can clear that out all on one. The mm-hmm. penalty, where did it go now? I lost it again. Yeah, I can give it here. Uh, I'm okay, not sure you. how they'll call Mike's comment is I'm not sure how they'll call this. There's been several instances so far this year where the team managed to get the car to stop in the box and get the wheel on properly. It sounds like now that's going to be a, a penalty. And uh, this is from Bob Packless. He says that NASCAR's revised its rules to say if an improperly installed wheel falls off in the pit box, it can still be a penalty. So during an event, any loss or separation of an improperly installed tire or wheel, and that can be singular or plural, from the vehicle will result in a penalty. As determined by NASCAR, improperly installed tire wheels remaining in the immediate area of the team's pit box 
without imposing a safety concern may result in a penalty. See Section 10 violations and disciplinary action. So that's not a penalty uh, before, but now it is. So, again, Mike goes on to say, if the car remains in the box and therefore doesn't impede other cars on pit road and the wheel remains in control of the crew, I don't see why this should be a penalty beyond the time the crew will lose on pit road. So, um, yeah, what are your thoughts about that, Joe? Well, actually, now now we really do. If you want to do your uh, time spiel here, uh, coming up at the, at okay. the thirty mark. Okay. Yes, we do a, a little spiel at this time of the night, especially for those people that are tuning in for the first time. Uh, what happens is we go off the air at exactly ten thirty Eastern time. However, we are going to continue our conversation, and that part of the conversation uh, will still be recorded. And it will be part of our bonus overtime material on our podcast. So what I do is when Jay and I get finished talking here, I will go out on Twitter to let you know that the podcast is now available. At that point or sometime tomorrow or whenever it's convenient for you, you can go to the player that's at our fanforation.com website and fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. So uh, that, uh, again, we make this announcement at this time of the night just so the people that are tuning in for the first time aren't taken off guard when we go off air mid-sentence. And so you'll know how you can hear the rest of that conversation. So with that, Jay, uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with Mike on this, uh, you know, and and I I can't think of any specific instances of I hate to say it, but it's going to become a judgment call by NASCAR if they feel the tire just got away from them. Um, now, if they drop the jack and the car is pulling out and the wheel comes off and they're still in their pit area, and you know, chances are it rolls towards the wall or whatever, and the crew maintains control of it, um, that's one thing. But I think they're getting into a window of a, a judgment call of was it, you know, did they get it locked on like they're supposed to and it came off under what would be the safety issue. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. Like I said, I can't think of a specific incident other than, like I said, if the, if the jack drops and the car is obviously attempting to go back out on the track or they know they didn't get the lug nut tight and they back up to try and fix it and it comes off, I, it's a it's a tough call. I, like I said, it's going to be a judgment call. I mean, and I'm this is kind of a created scenario, but yeah, like I said, if the car if the jack drops, car's going to go. They realize it was loose, or they didn't get it tight. The driver feels it already, backs up or stops, and that's where it comes off. Yes, technically it was not secured, but also they were trying to correct it before they got out on the track. Um, I understand NASCAR saying, hey, at that point, we can penalize you. I think it will be a situational kind of call whether or not it became the safety issue and impeded, whether it be the tire goes into pit road, out onto the track, whatever. Um, So I think we'll have to wait and see until that situation develops. NASCAR is just leaving that window open of, hey, we have the right to penalize you there. 
if we feel it is a neglect or a mistake in losing that in losing that wheel versus just an uncontrolled wheel within pit road. Yeah, <clears throat> there there are some implications here in the way that this is worded, um, and and it says, <clears throat> excuse me, some of the key things that they say in this uh, document is that the remaining, uh, as determined by NASCAR, improperly installed tires and wheels remaining in the immediate area of the team pit box, even without posting a safety concern, may result in a penalty. So what they're saying is that it's possible that they may try to get out of the pit box and realize that there's a mistake and that wheel comes off or whatever, um, NASCAR could still call that a penalty, even if they're not on the racetrack. And I think that that's, I can see this both ways. If you think that there was no um, safety risk there, maybe they won't call it, but they do say in the media area of the team's pit box without posing a safety concern may still result in a penalty. So they're saying even if it's not a safety issue, it could still result in a penalty. I think you're right, Jay. I think it's a situational thing that they're going to look at, and if they feel that a penalty uh, should be assessed, they're going to do it. And they've opened the door for that to happen. And the only thing we can do at this point is to wait and see how that situational thing uh, evolves with NASCAR. When it, the, and the teams aren't going to know this either until it actually happens. And NASCAR's been known to do that with other things as well. Uh, I think we talked about it a little bit the other night when we said they can't anticipate every single thing that's going to happen. So in some cases, I think they have to write the rule in the way that they've written this one because they don't know what's going to happen. They have to have it happen before they know how they're going to respond to it. I think that's why they had to write the rule the way that they wrote it. If you think back to what Scott Miller said in the post-race audio that we listened to on Monday night, he said that they had to make a rule change that Tuesday uh, because of <laughs> uh, not knowing different things that can happen. So they do a Tuesday wrap-up, and this is what they decided needed to happen. So I think right now it's hard for us to really make a comment fully on it until we see how they implement it. Well, and I was still trying to just in my head put, wrap around an idea of why this would even be a situation. But I think I can come with one. This past weekend, we saw Kyle Busch having a tire issue. And now I'm not saying it was a wheel coming off. I think it was flat. But we'll just use that as an example. If he feels that tire is coming off, he was coming to pit road. Unfortunately, he didn't make it. Ross Chastain uh, run over him, literally. Um so let's just say he's got a tire coming loose. 
gets to pit road as he gets to his pit stall is when it comes off. He's in his pit stall, wheel comes off and rolls into their pit. They grab it, put a new one on. Okay, no harm, no foul as far as it affecting anybody else on the track. That would maybe be an example where NASCAR would say, okay, you got into your pit stall and, you know, got it as it came off or it wasn't an issue, but the penalty would still possibly, they may call it a penalty, uh, as they put it, because it was loose and coming off, you know. Uh, so I think mm-hmm. that, like I said, I was just trying to en- envision a scenario where this would be applicable, and that could be one. Like you say, I say, if that's what was happening with Kyle's wheel, he's coming to pit road, he gets there, as he gets to pit road is when it comes off. Okay, it's not a factor. It's not out on the track, anything else. He's within his pit stall, but it still did come loose. So that's, mm-hmm. I think, maybe a, a scenario where that this rule could possibly come into play where NASCAR, again, it's situational. Does it need to be penalized? Um, you know, Was it because of damage that happened on the track? And, and I think that's one that they need to look at. So far from what we've seen, we haven't seen any where the wheel came off was because of damage to the car that they were involved in something and then it came off. You know, it came off while they were on their own. So we haven't seen that. Uh, that's another scenario where it, that, that their judgment and ruling on this is going to come into play. Two cars banging together, they separate, keep going. All of a sudden, one of them has a wheel come off. If they decide to appeal a penalty, that might be their argument that battle contact on the track is what caused it. Mhm. Yeah, it's an interesting scenario, um, and I think your example is a good one. Uh, that could be exactly where that came up, that they decided they needed to put that in writing, and uh, so they have now, and uh, teams are uh, aware of it. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. Another thought that occurred to me as you were talking is that uh, and we've talked about this before, too. These teams have been on the learning curve. Uh, we've gone through half of the season, regular season now, and uh, the, every, every we're still seeing issues with these tires not being properly installed. So this could be another way for NASCAR to really put an earnest on teams uh, to really get this under control. Uh, so that they're not uh, still going through a learning curve by the end of this season. I understand this is a tough one, but when you consider that so many of the teams have not had any issues, uh, why is it only certain teams seem to be having these issues? Those teams in particular really need to get a handle on it and get it fixed within their organization. And this might be NASCAR's way of, of trying to make that happen. Just another thought. Well, and and I know as we had that discussion about whether or not it was a, a really an issue with the numbers, and I didn't save it. I meant to save it and send it to Mike. Um, I think it was Dave Moody. You think about it of 36 teams, four tires per team, and I don't remember X number of races. I think this was at like race – 10 or 11, um, four per team, just give it four pit stops per race, 11, 12 races in, the percentage of tires that had come off was less than 1%. Now, does that mean it doesn't need to be addressed? Absolutely not, because it is a safety issue and they don't want to see it at all. But it, 
overall, it was not a major problem. And like you said, it seems to be selective to a particular few teams um, that have had it repeatedly anyway. So, um, yeah, NASCAR is going to look at it, keep an eye on it. And, again, I think, like we mentioned with the, with the sponsorship and everything else, NASCAR is trying to help these teams of what can we do or change to make it better mm-hmm. or, see, you know, whether it be the pit gun, the way the lug nut is on, whatever it be, uh, that they'll look at it. But if it's happening, it's still a penalty, and that is something. I have. We won't get back into that, but I think Denny Hamlin had a point with the all-star race possibly of, hey, a rule is a rule, got to enforce it. Uh, whether or not that rule was applicable at the all-star race, don't know. Yeah, because they've got that different set of rules. So, yeah, it's a whole different uh, ball game, if you will. So we'll see how it plays out. Um, but let's go ahead and move on to the next topic. Okay, we already talked about this a little bit, or at least got mentioned. Um, Trackhouse Racing, slide up to this one. Mike had put it up uh, coming from Adam Stern. Uh, Team Trackhouse today is announcing it has launched a program called Project 91, part-time third car, the number 91, to bring global stars of racing to NASCAR a few times a year starting this year. And then I added to that with, and then it came from Bob Pockris, Kimmy Raconin. And I'm trying to remember what he races. I know he's a road IMSA star, maybe a road racing. Uh, yeah, yeah, sports car or IMSA. Okay, yeah, sports car and IMSA driver. Jimmy Raikkonen. I, that's what I've heard the name come from the uh, 24 Hours of Daytona. Now that you say that, so he'll be in the car at yeah. uh, Watkins Glen. That's that's the first one I've seen him announce. So, and I know Mike put up uh, put it up. And he said, it's pretty cool to see global stars get a shot in what I would expect to be a legitimately fast equipment. Usually they're stuck in some, we'll say junk not car. <laughs> not what Mike put. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not what Mike put, but a junk car that wouldn't crack the top 20, even with Jeff Gordon in his prime. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, I'm glad that he responded to that. Uh, I kind of agree. I think this is really a creative way to bring other drivers into the support to create interest in NASCAR. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I just really admire what Justin Marks is doing at Trackhouse Racing. I think he's, he's uh, a visionary, uh, and he knows how to make these things happen. He's a former driver. Um, and uh, I think he's got some great ideas. This is the same guy that when he was having trouble getting a charter, uh, he made the decision to buy out Chip Ganassi Racing, made the offer, they agreed to it, and uh, nobody else had done that before. But he came up with that idea and did it. Now he's come up with this idea, and he's doing it. Um and I think he's doing it with NASCAR's blessing. Uh, so he's talked to NASCAR about it. Uh, he hasn't made a big deal about these conversations. Nobody knew about Project 91, at least to my knowledge. Maybe others did know uh, and just haven't said anything yet. But this was news today. This was a big deal. 
so I like the way Justin Marks is going about his business. Uh, he's an innovator, and uh, he's doing some really great things with track house racing. Uh, this is what I'd like to see more of, maybe from other teams as well. <laughs> we won't mention which ones, but I just think from other teams. <laughs> Right, we won't we won't talk about that. Okay, um, we uh, you're right. I, I mean, as a whole, you gotta admire what track house racing has done. Justin Marks and, and uh, Pitbull, and we heard that from the beginning that Justin Marks was bringing about a different business model um, to 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 make this happen, and we've seen that come to fruition. Now, with with this, uh, I like the idea. Uh, when I first read this, when Mike put it up, I didn't catch the fact that it said the, the global stars, as you will, uh, until I came across the one from uh, Kiko Raconin. I That kind of just adds to it. My only concern is to have it not take away from their two full-time cup uh, teams. And, and we've seen this mm-hmm. in the past. Uh, you know, anytime you do expansion um, to a third team or an alliance or anything – you just hope you don't see it take away from your primary, which is your two teams, Daniel Suarez and Ross Chastain. So that, right. that's my only concern. Um, but overall, I do see it as a good thing. And, you know, I thought back to we saw this in the past. I know NASCAR has some limitations. And I'm sure, like you said, that, that Justin Marks has gone through NASCAR and made sure that what he's doing is on the up and up and going to be legal and okay. Teams used to have what they called the research and development team in the Xfinity. It's called the all-star team because they bring in uh, top NASCAR or top drivers a lot of times in a rotating basis. Uh, to make sure that's legal and okay with how they're doing it, they're not over the four-car limit, so that obviously keeps them within that. They're going to have to do it without a charter um, on those select races, and they're willing to take that chance. And, and yeah, like Mike said, I, I think it's cool to see that we're going to see some other interactions, the, the crossover, we've talked about that on so many different levels, no matter what sport it be, from football to basketball, owners or whatever that are getting involved or, or ones that have interest in NASCAR, and bringing that fan base crossing over. I mean, you've got to have some basketball fans that are seeing what Michael Jordan's doing in racing um, that maybe weren't race fans and vice versa. So, uh, I see all good things with the exception, like I said, I just don't want to see it hurt their effort because right now they are a top championship contending team. I know Dan Suarez isn't where he wants to be in points and in the playoffs locked in as of yet, but look at Ross Chastain, Chastain. He's been talked about as one of the top four, the final four contending for the championship mm-hmm. already. Yeah. Yeah. It really is great. And, um, uh, you know, I just, you're right. You bring up a valid concern. Uh, if they uh, bring in this third team, will it take away from what uh, Ross Chastain and, and uh, Daniel Suarez can accomplish with, within the organization? Um, I, I just, just, I just sense that um, uh, Justin Marks is is uh, doing some good things. I, I, I that's the only possible uh, negative thing to this. I like the crossover. Uh, I just saw a fan on Twitter today post something to the effect, and I'm, I'm very much paraphrasing here, but the, the concern was 
so many NASCAR fans admire what's happening in F1, but we never seem to get that respect back from F1 drivers uh, having any kind of admiration or respect for the NASCAR drivers. And I think this guy was trying to figure out why. Why is that? Uh, because NASCAR drivers are certainly talented uh, drivers, are very they have to be athletic uh, in order to be successful, and uh, it, it just doesn't seem right uh, that they don't get the respect that they deserve. Well, this is a great way uh, to bring other drivers into the sport, uh, put a highlight on them individually, um, but also uh, it occurs to me that uh, they might have a curiosity about this next generation car that NASCAR has put out, uh, the kind of racing that we've seen this year with the next gen car, uh, there might be a curiosity from them, uh, from somebody like a Kim and Reikinen that uh, uh, is really interested in seeing what this car is all about. And, and this is going to be an opportunity for them to uh, drive it and maybe even give some feedback about it. Uh, so, I, I can't wait to see what happens with uh, with this crossover, and I think it's a I think it's a good idea. And you're right, Jay. I hope it doesn't affect the organization in a in a uh, bad way. Well, and and I'm not even going to get into that argument of Formula One versus NASCAR. I think they're, they're, that kind of goes both ways to a degree, and I won that because personally, as a huge NASCAR fan, I say race fan. Yeah, IndyCar uh, would be next on my list. Formula One, I don't even know if I've watched a total of 30 minutes, a total of any (laughs) Formula One race. So, you know, I'm one that kind of goes that way. Um, It's just not my thing. I'll put it that way. It's not that I don't have respect for them. There are certain aspects of it that I think when it comes to, and even I know Danica Patrick talked about it with the IndyCar, going down pit road. That was something she had to adjust to because an IndyCar, they have a button, they push it, it goes pit road speed. you got to maintain that in NASCAR. Now, does that mean that Formula One drivers or IndyCar drivers don't have talent? No, I'm not saying that because, yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, a couple of drivers have talked about 220 miles an hour at, at the Brickyard. I wouldn't be able to do. I did 60 or 70 at Atlanta, and, yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping it was sweat and my pants weren't necessarily dry when I got out, but uh, the the <laughs> excitement to it, you know, I, I don't know that I could handle 220 miles an hour. So, yeah, there is talent there. It is different, okay? I'll just say that. You know, whatever it is, you've got to adapt to what it is. I'm not going to pick and choose. So with that, though, bringing these stars in, again, the crossover thing, I say 95% good, and and that the other isn't a bad, it is just a concern. Like I said, you don't want it to be a distraction, you want it to be a benefit, Um, and I think there are some good benefits to it, I just don't want to see that distraction or it hurt the main team. Um, Again, the more I think about this, we talk about Trackhouse and what they've done. The other teams I mentioned, GMS Racing, College Racing, we saw them go through the Truck Series or the Xfinity Series up to the Cup level. Trackhouse came in directly at the level, uh, to, mm-hmm. and to make that happen is uh, I don't want to take away from Collig or G- yeah I don't want to take away from Collig or GMS but yeah they really did started at the top and are achieving success within that two year period so 
not to say it's any better. I mean, GMS, that was the way they went about it in college racing. Uh, but Trackhouse really has just stepped right into the top level and come out swinging. So kudos to them. I'd like to see them continue with that. And I think, uh, again, this Project 91 is a good thing overall. Okay. Okay. Uh, we'll go on to another topic here. Uh, okay. Now, Toby Christie uh, has a thing. Well, no, let me go to this PJ Compound thing. Uh, Bob Pockless reported on Twitter that NASCAR and Speedway Motorsports put down resin at Charlotte earlier this week and then ran the tire dragging over it. It doesn't plan to do any additional track treatment for this weekend. Uh, now, I've heard some conversation on SiriusXM about the PJ compound that we used to, we're used to putting down, hearing as being put down on the track to create a stickiness, if you will, uh, for the tires to get more grip on certain tracks. Um, and what I learned on Sirius XM, and if I remember, it was on um, Godfather Moody's show, uh, the PJ compound, what they learned is over the years, this PJ compound that they put on the track uh, to get grip is now doing the exact opposite as it uh, builds up on the surface of the track, uh, it's made this track extremely slick uh, and doesn't really go away. So the only way that they can combat that is with this resin, which they have found out is better uh, at creating the grip that the drivers are looking for. And so the days of having PJ compound put on the track are pretty much over. So they used the resin at the All-Star race, uh, and there weren't real good reviews about that race. Uh, but I wanted to get your thoughts about uh, the fact that they're not going to use that PJ compound anymore and that resin's going to be the way to go uh, moving forward, at least for now. Well, I wish I had a better memory when it comes to this because – uh, and I don't remember what the, where I heard it from, but the PJ1 compound, somewhere, uh, I want to say it was Larry McReynolds, but I'm not 100% here, that that was kind of a company and they have different products. And one of the ones I know whether we called it the PJ1, we, you know, we used to make fun of that, of what, what the new name to it was, VH1 or VT something, um, all of that, that it was one company and there were different products. Now, like you said, what they're calling the resin now it seems to be what they're going forward with. From what I heard, it does seem to be as closer to the tire compound as the tires just running on the track and tire wear running, rubbing into the track. This resin is, is closest to that. Um, so that's what drivers are looking for. And we know that's important because the ARCA, ARCA series run there are some drivers that won't go out immediately and uh, practice because they want the, whatever type arc of Menard series is using to wear in or off the track um, before mm-hmm. they go out and practice because it's, it's different. Now, I know I heard with the resin, there are some things that factor in of the temperature, how much weather there is, and then the temperature, how that can change, uh, that it's a rather temperature-sensitive or dampness sensitive when it comes to having a head been rained on. 
And I didn't, I hadn't heard that going back to this PJ one, if that's what you want to call it, whatever compound they were using before. Uh, I know that was one that you're right. Driver said was very slick. I didn't realize that it was a, carrying over as it as it built up and stayed on the track uh that you're saying they talked about today i wasn't in the vehicle a lot today so um missed out a lot of that on sirius xm but yeah, that yeah actually it wasn't today one. i think it was well i think i heard that conversation on my drive down to texas so it was before the all-star race that they were talking about it okay um yeah so i think that's one that nascar again you're getting feedback from the drivers. You're listening to the ones that are talking to them and saying, hey, here's our concern, not screaming and jumping up and down and crying, but we're not going to talk about that um, as far as changing it. Finding mm-hmm. that best possible solution for the best possible racing for the drivers, for the fans, for the sport. And, and so, yeah, I'm glad to see that they are, like you said, working on it, adjusting to it, picking the one that works best. Yep, and and so I'm excited. I I know that there there could be some downfalls to this resin as well. Time always tells the rest of the story when it comes to that, but this seems to be working a lot better. And uh, I just thought it was interesting that uh, the PJ1 compound that they were using actually has a negative effect over time. We might find the same thing with the resin. Who knows? But um, uh, we just heard PJ1 in that compound and whatever they were calling it uh, from week to week um, for such a long time. It's just interesting that now it's kind of a defunct uh, way of doing business. I say over overall, the, the resin, like I said, uh, from what I, I've heard from drivers, is the most compatible and seems to be working the best. And we, we mentioned the tire uh, tire dragon, for those that don't know. Uh, again, dirt tracks actually use this, too, to smooth out a track, not necessarily put rubber into it. But just running that across, again, especially on newer tracks, get that rubber built into the track that they haven't had after years of racing on it, that some of that does stay uh, within the track service. So maybe this PJ1 they're finding now, you know, isn't as compatible. It's staying in the track, and like you said, making it a little slick. Um, again, it might be the adjustment, too, with the, with the newer cars, that, that that's the difference, the next-gen car, and how they handle on it with the bigger wheelbase, uh, tire size and wheelbase. Don't know for sure, but they've decided they're going in this direction. Uh, like I said, I, I think NASCAR is doing a great job of staying on top of it and trying to stay ahead of it, if you will, um, and finding something that works better, even though the, that was working good. Um, I know some fans and drivers maybe prefer that it not be put on at all. But, again, you're never going to make everybody happy. They're making what they feel is the best decision for the sport as a whole. Yes, indeed. Uh, I don't have anything really to add to that, so if you want to move on to another topic, uh, that would be fine with me. Well, I think we might have to wait until Monday. Uh, we got, what, two minutes oh, left here. Oh, that's right. You're right. We're winding down already. Okay, so we are approaching the top of the hour, so let's go ahead and do the uh, across-the-table thing. <laughs> I uh, mentioned uh, this weekend, a uh, big racing all over the place, Memorial Day weekend. 
Keep in mind those that have sacrificed and the reason for the weekend. Get out and enjoy it. Uh, myself, you can follow me on Michael Hoosman on Facebook, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. Weather permitting, I know uh, Magnolia Motor Speedway here, the home of the Black Ice, the west side of town, is having a Crate Racing USA Sportsman Division World Championship. I myself am going to take a little trip down to Jackson Motor Speedway, your capital city raceway, for our weekly racing down there. Wherever it is you can, if you enjoy it, get out and enjoy one of your short tracks. Yes, indeed. I uh, couldn't. Uh, that's a very good uh, notification. And uh, the fans everywhere, uh, I think, are going to the sh- local short tracks and uh, have been asking for that for a long time. So uh, I love the streaming services that are available now uh, to help support uh, our support of the short track racing across the country. Okay, with that, uh, a big shout-out to our listeners for tuning in. Uh, we really appreciate it. We, did have a, uh, um, we didn't have a guest tonight, but we do have some pre-recorded audio from Max Gutierrez, who's making his debut in the Camping World Truck Series at Charlotte Motor Speedway this weekend with AM Racing. So watch for him to be on the track. Uh, you can also go and listen to his interview. Uh, for those who speak Spanish, uh, he even uh, received and answered a question in the Spanish language. So that was kind of cool as well. Uh, also a big shout out to Jay uh, for being uh, co-host here tonight and staying on for the Hot Topics conversation. Always uh, enjoy working with you and uh, definitely looking forward to the weekend of racing this weekend at Charlotte Motor Speedway, uh, starting with the Arkham Menard Series all the way through the NASCAR Cup Series uh, racing on Sunday, and not to mention the Indianapolis 500 that's also uh, taking place this weekend. Uh, There's a lot for race to, so uh, enjoy your racing weekend. Uh, Please be safe and uh, enjoy the time with your family and friends as we honor those in the military this weekend. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you when we come back on Tuesday, not Monday, but on Tuesday, May the 31st, for our next show. We do right now have Joe Graff Jr. scheduled for the 9 p.m. segment, uh, and we'll look forward to chatting with him after the race this weekend at Charlotte. So with that, Jen, I think we're ready to call it a night. All right, you're right. I think I said Monday for hot topics. That just means it'll be even hotter come Tuesday. I forgot we were uh, moving to the day this week. So they'll be even hotter come Tuesday. Okay. I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about. Good night, everybody.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.